talking comics in the morning. Mm. Hey. Good morning, friends. Good morning. It's Slash whatever you greeting know. you desire for whatever time you are listening to this show. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. <laughs> and we're recording early in the morning because we... We missed our regular recording slot because of all of the activities associated with the 60th anniversary of X-Men, watching that live stream and hanging out on Instagram afterwards. Yeah, we we got to see some pretty cool stuff on that live stream, and then we got to hang out and chat about it with Comic Extracts and some other, some other friends. Some other friends of the pod and some other friends of the community talking, throwing in some some notes and some questions. This is a really good time. It reminds me of how we, we said that we wanted to do more lives, which like where where does the time even go? Right, I know. Three months after our hangover, holiday hangover Yeah, how party. is that even possible? How is that even possible, right? March, what? What? But we're not here to talk about time and months. No, we're here to talk about comics. So let me tell you what comics we're going to talk about today. And the rundown. We've got... Love Unlimited, number 41, X-Men Unlimited, number 78, The Excellent, season two, number one, Mm -hmm. Bishop War College, number two, Captain Marvel, number 47, Wolverine, number 31, and Immoral X-Men, number two. Wow, what a stack. What a stack. What a what a lineup. But before we get into that lineup, it's time for It's really nicely timed at the end. I like mm-hmm. that. That was good. Hey, so we teased it a little bit at the beginning, but we're talking X-Men 60 Uncanny Years. The live event that happened on Thursday evening, talking to some awesome creators, sharing Mm -hmm. some reveals and just diving in. I don't know if you were able to watch the live stream. Not not you, Alicia, as as she looked at at me. At first I was like, excuse me, what? We watched it together. No, he's talking to the people. The people, the world. We, We watched it. It was a ton of fun to just get different panels, different groups. We had Chris Claremont, Louise and Walter Simonson on one. It was really interesting how they organized it into era. Mm. You had Mark Silvestri and Rob Liefeld on the second one. You had uh, Grant Morrison and Jonathan Hickman Hickman in a pre-recorded segment. And then you had Jordan D. White and Lauren Amaro from the editorial staff of Current Comics. Yeah, I also thought it was a good, not only generationally or like time period wise, but We had writers, we had editors, we had artists. You know, there was a wide range of creators. I would have liked to see a letterer on there. A letterer or a colorist. But you know, if y'all didn't watch it, you had to see my face when Lauren was uh, talking about X-Men Unlimited and she was listing the team and she said, VCs Joe Sabino. Yeah, yeah, VCs yeah. VCs yeah. Joey Sabs. The VCs Joey Sabs. You know, the the two big takeaways from the announcements at the end, mm-hmm. we got a tease, which has now been circulating the internet, of the Hellfire Gala. Mm-hmm. The cover by Phil Noto with some of the looks. 
Yes. First reveal, first reactions. Everybody obviously is obsessed with Emma's look. Obviously. She's always looking fly. Because she has the best looks of the gala, sure. if we're being honest. I mean, she is the host, right? So Who even knows this year? I mean, she was trying to pin it on the cuckoos yeah. last year, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. She's the face of the gala, regardless that's if she wants to be the host. She's the face. Yeah. And then Kate rocking some kind of pirate infused it's interesting royalty. i'm kind of like into kate's look like i like the vibe but it doesn't feel like a gala look it looks like uh i don't know a cocktail party upscale dinner like going to a after party at a conference look well honestly it, it looks more masculine in terms of its look like it looks well, more like, like what a, a guy would wear too and that i'm into yeah yeah that yeah so i guess you know, guys wear. Um, we only get suits. You know, suits to <laughs> right. the red carpet situation. So in that front, okay, I stand corrected. I want to see what the bottom looks like, but I did like it. I, I'm intrigued by it. It, it looks it, like something, honestly, I would wear. It's probably just her black pants and boots, you know, because she's. That's what ready I'm to, afraid of. To get into battle, honestly, and that's the thing I think is like. It's just another take. It's like a red shirt and a black vest, but with gold buttons and epaulets. Like, and the shirt still has a pirate vibe. Like, we haven't Evolved. taken her color scheme and gone outside of the look of her costume at all. Where just she always looks like a pirate, you yeah. know? Yeah, but we like that vibe. I mean, that, yeah. that is her personality in the Krakoan era, and we'd love to see her return to that vibe. That that uh, pirating because that was part of I mean not to not to transition first but that was part of the conversation afterwards is all right Marauders is almost definitely confirmed at least from the lack of solicits beyond issue twelve which comes out next week so it's mm-hmm. not a good sign right that it's ending right where does Kate go because there are teases that she has a big year in mm-hmm. the upcoming year. I made a prediction that she would be cast onto the third year of X-Men just because you have Jerry at the helm. You have Kate as a free agent. Makes sense. He's got unfinished business with her character. They've got ties to Emma. Mm-hmm. It just it just all comes together. And you lost her, your mind when I said that. Yeah. Well, because, it, because they... A couple things, yeah. right? So on the live, they were talking about the X-Men team. And there was discussion about magic... And Firestar really, you know, pushing forward, continuing to be on the team, having a big year. And I was like, if you're going to put Kate and Magic on a team together, like, watch out. I'm That's my new favorite book. But then on top of that, Jordan D. White said, you know, it's going to be a big year for Kate. And that's, you know, a good thing or a bad thing if sure. you're a big Kate fan. And so when we were talking last night and we were kind of trying to decipher what what all was said in the live, um, I brought up the fact that we still don't know what's going on with Kate and the Gates and the fact that she essentially like spilled state secrets to the Fantastic Four to read at least. Gave them technology into the Gates and especially knowing or or she doesn't know the tete-a-tete between reed and charles right so i feel like in getting the answer to that question which you know has been teased that we're still going to get that they've known since the start in getting that information and getting those answers will that also sort of unleash fiery demons on the Mm -hmm. island Mm -hmm. so i'm a little bit scared that kate's gonna play into the fall of x because essentially that's what 
was said was that the fall of X is coming and the gala is pretty much going to be the kickoff, the, the start of it all. Right. Which, I mean, makes sense. It ushered in Judgment Day last mm-hmm. year. It ushered in the new X-Men team the year before that. Yep. Right. It is kind of the X-Lines annual. Right. Traditionally, it's a oh damn and, Yeah, yeah. As it should be, right? You're mm-hmm. going gonna to have this big chonking book. And I think I think this year is going to be seventy something pages or something like that. I cannot wait. That's amazing. Oversized one shot, which I again preferred that last year. Right. Than, you know, I, I really enjoyed the first year, but I preferred just the concentrated. Yeah, let's go. Let's this get all the, the juice. You can have it spill out into a couple other things, but yeah. So we'll get more information when Free Comic Book Day comes in mm-hmm. May. Old Man Omega. I don't know if you saw that cover that I posted. I did. I saw it both on our page and on Joshua Casara's page. Quentin Quire is back and hurt his back because he's looking very <laughs> he's different. A little cane. Yeah, he's dropped the kid. He's, he's, I think he's got a gun that he's just firing off into the sky. <laughs> get off my lawn. Yeah, yeah he is ultimate get off my lawn, crotchety grandpa. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. I have so many questions. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. Someone on Twitter had asked, like, okay, why is he not just resurrected and his former self, which, you know, he was wiped from the Cerebro backups. Mm. Maybe they don't have that version. I don't know how he comes back. All will be revealed in due time, but exciting to see that we're getting the other side of that yes. setup. It's coming back into play. The greatest betrayals in Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. This was an article on Marvel, and I just I, I had to pull out a couple of key moments, right? Mr. Sinister is being listed as one of the greatest betrayals in the Marvel Universe for what he did to Krakoa, and I just feel like that should have been a no-brainer. Like, even Moira told Charles and Magneto, don't do that. Don't let him in. He's a snake. Snake's going to snake. Look at him. His name is Sinister. Why would you trust him? Like, like you, it's like you went to go hug a bear and got mad that they mauled you. That's on you. I mean, it's a bear. I mean, at the same time, though, you could say the same thing about Apocalypse, about Mystique being on the council. I mean, but Apocalypse brought positivity. For now. Sure, sure. We'll I'm see what ex- happens when he comes back. Excited about that. He comes back and he's like, uh, you're not fit enough. You didn't. Yeah. You weren't flexing the- Y'all haven't been working out while I was gone. Right. The da- I Checking the Danger Island logs and you are left wanting. Yeah. I mean, so, okay. But yes, I think too on the grand scale of like this being the biggest betrayals in the, in the universe, we've got, you know, small- We've got small betrayals that happen from time to time, but like literally implanting your DNA in everyone and like uprooting the entire existence of the island, like that's gigantic. That's gigantic. You know, Mystique making her play to bring Destiny back to life unbeknownst to the council mm-hmm. and to position her to be on the council, not really a betrayal. Right. Honestly, likely a positive thing just because you have someone that can now see the future, even if she only uses it for personal gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that I wanted to call out was Cyclops killing Xavier in AVX or, yeah, with the the, the Phoenix Force. Ah, that's on the list. That's on the list of great betrayals. And that was, that makes sense. I'm here for it. Yeah. Kill him, Cyclops. Last bit of news is there was a preview of X-23 Deadly Regenesis number two with that oh. matchup versus Haymaker. 
some art to feast your eyes upon. Mm-hmm. But before we transition to our comics, time to talk about that poll. It's All funny. Right. It's funny. I was thinking about this as because I've been putting Captain Marvel in the poll week in week out, but it was a problem when I put Scarlet Witch last week. I thought you said you hadn't been putting Captain Marvel in. Well, if there's if there's space for her, I will because it's definitely a Krakoan era story, mm-hmm. right? Though that's a team, and it's going to tie in. Yeah, it feels very much an X Men book. Good. All right. Okay, so she's in the poll is what you're saying. (laughs) Yes. Bishop War College number two, Captain Marvel 47, Immoral X-Men number two, Wolverine number 31. Who won? Immoral X-Men. Absolutely. What's the percentage? 68. Whoa. 67. Dang. I'm back, baby. She's back. Oh, great. You're going to ask me what's number two. What's number two? (laughs) Uh, Wolverine. Yeah. I I was excited to just see that it followed... My lineup for what I was most excited about. Wolverine. Well, that was 67. So. You've got 33 left. Out of. Oh, 33 full percents. Yep. All right. So Wolverine is 26. 17. Oh, dang. Captain Marvel with 13. War College with three. Mm. Sorry, Bishy. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad book. It just means it wasn't the favorite. Right, right, right. Are you ready to talk about those unlimited comics? Yeah, let's let's get it started with Love Unlimited, okay? And here's what I've got to say. This is the point where sometimes with Marvel Unlimited stories, I feel like they take an arc and they they have so many issues that they need to to fill and they drag a story out unnecessarily. Like what I like about Marvel Unlimited is generally the pacing is is good and we're getting these stories that are fun we're getting to see the art and this really cool different layout and we're getting a story that we would normally probably never get because Mm -hmm. there's not another medium to tell it with love unlimited in the last issue we we left with you know venus coming in and saying like i'm the reason and i feel like we didn't really go anywhere else really else happened like she basically talked about love v hate. Yep. And and that was it. And and yeah. we didn't move forward at all. The, the challenge was issued, they squared off and that that's kind of you know, Spider-Man and Invisible Woman were there for support and quips and Deadpool tried to usher in a age of championing love over hate mm. using the the girdle which is a you know a very timely message yeah, for absolutely. our world right now. So reading it, I was like, okay, this is a good moment to say, hey, if you're reading this comic, think about how this applies to your everyday life. Yeah. Um. So that that was a positive for it for sure. And we end with the idea that they're maybe going to go on a date, Venus and Deadpool, to figure out, hey, are sparks flying? Is this a true connection? Is this the last issue of? This arc? Mm, maybe, maybe. Written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Selva Espin, colors Israel Silva, letters Ariana Maher. V.C.'s Ariana Maher. Now, let's talk about... So, before we even get into X-Men Unlimited, there was an interview on X-Men Monday with the writer, mm. whose name I don't have the top of my head, um, with the writer... Zach Thompson, 
talking about approaching this arc, talking about how he wanted to use the medium of Marvel Unlimited, X-Men Unlimited, to tell a story about some characters that were not really getting major play and mm. how he could find his way in. And and also just what I found really interesting was shouting out Philip Sevy, the penciler and inker, on their ability to use the vertical format. It's so good. It's so good. And it's specifically so good in this arc. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear them talk about just like, okay, how do we up that issue to issue? Yeah. So they've intentionally been trying to build more utilization of the vertical scroller. Yeah, because I would say for sure you can see that. You know, there's always moments in Marvel Unlimited stories where you feel like the vertical scroller is used really well. But in this particular arc, I feel like every panel is intentional in the vertical scroller. Like it really feels like they're focusing on that aspect of it with a lot of purpose, you know, because they want it to feel, I don't know, it makes, I feel like when an artist does that, it makes the story read smoother. Like I go through it quicker. Like it's just, it it could be like on a Star Wars scroll. Right, right. You know? Well, it's because you want to keep on turning the page. You want to keep on scrolling. Even, even just, you know, as I'm opening it up, they're in this car chase. Yeah. After Maximilian Frankenstein and to just see the sky, setting the scene into the city of Madripoor and then the car and then this action shot of Mero jumping into the sky and then landing on the car. It just, yeah, it, it's it, very cinematic. It's very cinematic and it gives a fluidity of motion mm-hmm. that you don't otherwise get because they're utilizing the character in multiple positions in the frame. Yeah. I am loving this arc yeah i think that it's a great story i love seeing the characters i work we always get action we always get character development you know we're moving forward uh we're we're chasing after the car we're getting leech out and you know we're learning that we're going to legacy the legacy house auction which is really cool with chambers head and so we're getting that story moving forward. We're getting our action. But we're also getting Marrow like saying, hey, this is the thing. Like I don't really open up well. I feel like I need to accomplish this on my own. Mm-hmm. I've got my own stuff to work out. This really isn't about you, right, Farrell. This is really about me. Me working through my own problems. Which is great because we're getting all of all of those different aspects. And... I love the way that after Marrow says that, she's like ready to just be like, okay, on to the mission. And right. Farrell is like, A-da-da-da. no, we need to unpack that. Um, you said your piece. I'm going to say my piece real quick. That's how conversation continued. works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought, I thought it was a really great issue. I love the story. I love the art. Yeah. I, I just feel like X-Men Unlimited is finding the sweet spot on what this should be mm-hmm. of, you know, I think initially it was, big connective stories we're talking about orcus we're starring wolverine and then we went on some other offshoot stories x-men green a couple other characters a a whole arc spinning out unto itself Mm -hmm. and now just taking these characters that aren't otherwise in books that don't have the page time to be able to explore what's going on but making the stories personal to them to be able to get those character moments and develop them to then utilize. Who knows? Like, Marrow was in the vote mm-hmm. the first year. 
she could easily come back into something else. She has a place on Madripoor as established through Marauders. So they're utilizing the little pockets of story that have been otherwise created. Yeah. It's good stuff. And Leech is saved, but Hellfire Babies still have his fingers. Yeah. So. Written by Zach Thompson, art by Philip Sevy, colors Cece de la Cruz, letters Joe Sabino. B. C's Joe Sabino. No, I won't do it. <laughs> On to the highest of levels. Ah, the excellent. The excellent. What do you think about this? Like big picture. Okay, I didn't hate it as much as I normally do. Yeah. But I just don't... It's interesting, right? I kind of mentioned this when we were talking about events last night. Yeah. In that... Some reasons that I, you know, like or don't like certain books are the complete opposite on other books. And it's really just about the characters, I think, it's right? A, like, yeah, if a- I was seeing sort of like mundane life activities of characters that I really connected to, I would probably not be as bored or disinterested as I am with the excellent. Mm-hmm. I think this story of. Like the way this story was told now that I've gotten a little bit more of a handle on the characters and and the way that this book kind of moved forward, I think was much more interesting. But I just don't really like the story of of a guy trying to get more followers and, and destroy his enemies who could potentially have more followers than him. It's not really a story that I'm dying to read. Sure. Yeah. I mean, social commentary aside, I think mm-hmm. that it doesn't have anything really drawing me to it and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that i don't have connection to these characters otherwise mm-hmm. i read volume one it was fine it got better as we went through so yes. i i had some optimism going into this and this was much of the same mm-hmm. so it's just like okay yeah let's go i i get that the style and characters are sentimental to folks and i'm glad that you have them back mm-hmm. it's just not something that really resonates or interests me especially in a time where i'm really excited about krakoa and what's going on there and those stories this just feels like it's doing its entirely own thing you have dr strange coming in which was interesting ties into the magic but doesn't acknowledge what's going on with his story and Mm -hmm. world i don't know i think too what i liked most about this issue was that we got to see the perspective of uno Mm mm-hmm and that was interesting and this like question of you know these little eyes that disappear and that uno is sort of watching everything and you are getting to see the different ways that the members of the team are being manipulated and how they're kind of not interested in that manipulation anymore they're not interested in just gaining the followers for the sake of you know or harming other people for the sake of gaining followers, they're starting to sort of feel like they don't see the point. Yeah, they're breaking out from Zeitgeist's control. Yeah, and I think that that, that was a cool perspective and, and gave me more insight on that particular character. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do want to shout out the one point of Pip standing up to Zeitgeist in defense of Mirror Girl. I thought that, that was great mm-hmm. to just be like, hey, we're not taking your crap, Zeitgeist. I'm going to girl power this and, and zap you to some kind of frozen tundra. Yeah, and the moment when he's defeated or taken down by two 
female characters from the other team. And he's like, I don't understand what, what it is. What is, women don't like me or something. And the little like aside of like, should I tell him or should you, you yeah. know, the book is definitely filled with social commentary, which yeah. is a great thing, right? Like we love to see the satire world. and the world sort of like put in your face. Cause you might not think, you know, what you do to gain followers is a bad thing. And then you read in this book and you're like, oh, let me rethink my life. Let me rethink my social media addiction. Maybe Did that I... happen to me? No, I still am addicted to social media. But yeah, it is important to point out. And, you know, years from now, when the robots take over, we could look back on this and say, dang it, we could have learned something. If only we knew. Written by Peter Milligan, art by Michael Doc Alred, colors Laura Alred, letters Nate Picos. Uh oh, I didn't look to see. Oh no, because it's not VCs. There's no VCs. I have nothing to say. You don't even of Blambot Studios. Oh, excuse me, of Blambot Studios. Covered by our interior team, Michael and Laura Alred. I was so excited. I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't look because I was so excited to just not. <laughs> I was ready for you to say VCs, and I'm like, no. No. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta do this thing for class. I think it's fitting of the reaction that our only comment was one from Eric Huffman saying, hard pass on the excellent, didn't read the first series, why jump in on this one? <laughs> like the art, though, very different. And I think that, you know, that's kind of how I was feeling in the first round. Mm -hmm. Still trying to give it a try because we're an X-Men podcast and uh, there's the sense that we feel obligated to talk about all things mutant. So, you know, here we are. Yeah. I mean, we're going to keep reading it for you all so yeah. you know Man, what's I, happening. I actually even remember Mendo Mutato on the post wanted more from it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, people are reading it, which is good. Right. It did get a second right, arc. Right. So, so that means there is a fan base out there for it. And I think that that is resonant with the fact that Ecstatics, the original series, did so well. Mm -hmm. And it's what we were talking about last week where we were saying, you know, not every book, not every title is for every person. Right. But you know what book and titles are for us? Bishop War College? The, the next four issues. Because yeah. uh, he just kind of continues to hype machine. Yeah, let's talk about Bishop War College, number two. That cover. It is a really great cover. The team. Yeah, I love Ken Lashley, who's the cover artist. I love it. I think Tempo looks amazing on this cover. Yeah, I was talking to someone new at the comic shop when I went in, and he was like, who, who is that? I, actually, even Chris was con concerned or confused as to who it was because they didn't recognize her outfit or the fact that she's not really a prominent mutant mm -hmm. if you're not deep in the, the week-in, week-out books. And you were like... Oh, that's Tempo. Let me tell you about the should-have-been first-year winner, Tempo. Yes. But honestly, I think it, it worked out in her favor that she still got character development across the last couple of years. Yeah, I got to say that, you know, us being Team Tempo and then seeing her now in this book and in Marauders and getting more, like, that's exciting. And then we were Team Monet, and then they announced the Uncanny Avengers book last night on the Oh, live. yeah, we didn't even talk about that yeah. in the news. Yeah, so and and Monet is on that team, right. and that's that's exciting. So I think that's what what's happening is that Marvel is getting the vote results, and they're, and they're yeah. seeing like okay, people want people this character. are really into Tempo, people are really into Monet, and they're seeing the difference. Like I think they know the 
comic reader vote versus the sure. I just have this tie to this Marvel character from X number of media yeah, yeah. references. And they know, okay, well, maybe this person didn't win, but the comic readers really want to see them in the forefront of a book. For sure. And even just the fact that Jerry works on storylines for each character. Mm -hmm. So he had been and he wanted Tempo to win the first round. Mm -hmm. So he had something for her to do in Marauders shortly after she didn't win. And we've just gone from there. I, I think it's a huge response to the fact that the fans are so vocal about the characters that they want to see more of. Yeah. So Marvel can just use that and pivot. OK, mm -hmm. well, then where else can we use it? Because they're trying to sell books. At the end of the day, it's a business. All right. Let's dig in. Page turn noise. We have an unwelcome visitor. Bishop has seen a lot, but nothing like this. I like that he's, you know, he's aware that he time travels, but he is not really certain about interdimensional travel. Sure. So... What's going on? He he straight up thinks this can't be real. Like, this is not right. You're not Cyclops. You're not Jean Grey. Stop lying to me. Yeah. And who are all these other students? Right. You know? How I, did I get here? I've never been to an HBC Xavier Academy, you know, a historically black college. Mm -hmm. And to see all of these black students, I think, is really interesting and really great. I think it's really cool, too. Like to see this and to have the opportunity to have this these alternate universe versions of all of these characters, you know? Oh, yeah, because the visual designs are amazing. They're great. Yeah. Well, we're at our title page, Strange Fellows and Different Times. Most Likely to Succeed, written by Jay Haltham. Art for Bishop's World, Sean Damien Hill on pencils and Victor Nava on inks. Art for the Krakoan story, Alberto Fochi on both pencils and inks, and Espen Grandinjern as the colorist for the whole book. Letters, Travis Lanham. VCs, Travis Lanham. Ken Lashley and Juan Fernandez on the cover. We're just trying to make some introductions? No. That's Gene? No. Gun? Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Bishop just doesn't believe them isn't interested in having his mind tampered with, right. whips out a gun, and then I love the moment where Cyclops just <laughs> shoots him and he's like, thanks for the, the boost. Like, thanks for charging me up, man. Which is so interesting to think about this in how Bishop has been portrayed in other stories where he arrives at the Xavier Institute and everybody's like who is this future man who is mm -hmm. this time traveler because it's his story again but with different right. details right you know and everybody's like whoa how do we do this how do we? And, and then the fact that he's able to use all that and, and just Cyclops's reaction of oh crap this isn't good yeah and then we get Beast we get Angel we get Iceman yeah the new like, 05 the, yeah. those dreads on Beast yeah, these character designs are so dope. I love them. Even Charles Xavier, who who just seems like... He comes on out and he's like, hey, hey. Hey, I know you, right? I'm speaking to you in a calm voice. We're going we're gonna to diffuse this situation. And there's someone that you probably want to meet, Lucas Bishop as well. Oh, snap. It's yourself. I want more of this story. I honestly felt like such a tease. And and as I'm thinking about this, do, do 
Cyclops and Jean Grey not see the X on his belt, the X on his shoulder? Right, the M on his eye. Do right. they not look at him and go, wow, you look exactly like this teacher here? Right. You, you have to have some understanding of the visual cues that are X-Men. Maybe no one from another time or place has ever entered this universe before. You know, because maybe this bishop has been here from the start. I think he has. I, I would assume that he is not the time traveling version which is interesting that all right so you're you're in this other world where lucas bishop is the only person who doesn't have powers as we see on this next data page he's he's not an x-man what can he do to defuse this situation i do like the fact Whoa, that what he says in the data page that he is not an x-man i'm not an x-man or anything i'm not sure how i could assist you in the battle he, he's just a teacher Whoa, I think I missed that. I think I may have read that as like, I'm not on the team. Like, clearly I did not pay attention. If, if you're an adult and you're in the Institute, you're on the team, you know, especially if you have powers. I, I don't understand. I, hopefully they'd unpack that further and tell us why mm-hmm. or how maybe Xavier knows. I do like the call out that this is explicitly stated as Earth 63. Yes. I think that that's interesting because that was a lot of confusion. Where are we? When is this? Right, let's give you some context. But that's all you get that's right it. now. I was so upset, honestly, because this is the story I'm interested in. I, and not to say that I'm not interested in this. Well, other I'm stories, interested in both. I, I, yeah, because especially with the details that we got from the plot and, mm-hmm. and what they're doing with this Blightswill. Yes, they've got other plans here, and they're very dangerous plans. Yeah, Moira and her mutant Nazi friends. So, you know, we we knew that Orcus had hired Fenris, but now we're getting the deets. It's Moira, and they're doing something. Like, they were never intending to run into anyone underground. They were trying to drill and do some dirty business on Krakoa. Yeah, on Krakoa, the mutant, not just the island. And Moira's like, can you please get back on track? I need this completed. And Fenris is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on it. Trust yeah. us to do our jobs. She's, Dang it. She's worried about Bishop seeing it and knowing that the X-Men are not far behind him. That he's going to potentially tell them that something's going on in the underbelly of Krakoa. And I think it's safe to say that this is not respecting the sacred land and we mm-hmm. can not resurrect Fenris twins after this. Yeah. You know, I, I know that I keep on saying I love Beast for the villain energy that he brings to the book, but I just hate Fenris always. Well, yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, they're sure. They're absolutely terrible. But we catch up with our team, our war college students, as they are disoriented and powerless from the Blightswill. Yeah, and... You know, they're they're really not agreeing on what their next step should be. Should they go get help? Should they continue to fight? What are their strengths in this situation? And I like how they start digging into, you know, wanting to take care of each other. And, well, this is what we're training for. Exactly. I feel like that really stuck out. I think that the fact that you're trying to protect the island in times of war and attack this is what you're here. This is the, the game. You know, this is what we've been training for. Right. And I mean, as interested as I am in what's happening with Bishop in and where is Tempo, right? In sure. this time travel or world travel situation, the book is called Bishop War College. And these are the w- students of the War College. Right. And we are seeing them use their training and, 
you know, apply it to this real world situation, which is really satisfying as a, you know, fulfillment of an expectation that I have for this book. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to call out the fact that Amass has been here for like two days and somehow he's been studying Blightswill mm-hmm. as that is a reference in one of his word bubbles. Mm. But this is a Blightswill variation. Dampen some powers while making others erratic. I, and also the fact that they refer to Tempo as Tempus a couple times. Mm. And Tempus is a different character. So odd mistake. Yeah. Okay. I thought that that was weird. Because they also say Tempus in Immoral X-Men, which is, is fine. It could be either or. But this one is specifically Tempo that we're talking about. Right. Psionic abilities have been turned against them. So we're talking about the effects that we dive into a little bit more specifically in this data page, this Orcus memo conversation between Phelong and Moira. Mm-hmm. Ruben Brousseau is working with Orcus now and is potentially going to be brought in further. Well, this conversation is actually between Killian DeVoe, oh, Phelong, yes. to Phelong and Moira. Director Devo, yeah. Yes. Director Devo. As power instability, specifically psionic and energy-based powers, increased anxiety and emotional instability, violent outbursts. You know, what? what's going to sell the idea that mutants are crazy? Right. And have we talked about this before? I feel like when I was reading this, I was like, okay, I feel like we had this conversation in some book. Did we theorize about it? This idea that they're going to make the mutants go mad and it's the same strategy that they were doing in legion of x too Mm. right like how do we turn them into the scary monsters that people perceive them to be right we seed it in various ways i just think that orcus is coming at them in a variety of directions and i'm excited about that because they've been the looming big bad for a long time Mm -hmm. they've been amassing power in the background yes and ruben is here for that mutant blood, whatever he wants to do with it. We don't care. He's our kind yeah, of people, though. whatever he's going to do with all that mutant blood. I think we know from Captain Britain, the the spells that he's working on with Morgan. Oh, right. Yeah, which is another thing, just the connection points between right. books. I love that, that Orcus is, you know, Orcus has been in the back burner, I think, for a while. And we know that they have their hands in all of these different villainous places so now we're getting those little links tied back together which i think is definitely leading to that fall of x oh yeah orcus takedown that's my i just feel like that's gonna be what the fall of x is related to is we're finally gonna get that orcus taking a stand you know yeah orcus making a move but we are going to stand and fight to protect krakoa you know, not for nothing, but this is exactly what we're training for. Let's stand up against these. But before right. they can do anything, they're the, the jumped team by finally Fenris. decides, they agree, okay, let's do it. And then, boom, Fenris appears, knocks them all out. And I feel like Fenris, I don't know, to just like cause an explosion and then to see all the kids on the ground and just be like, I mean, yes, some of them are kind of covered in rubble, but they're just like, okay. All right, we're done. That's enough. I feel like that's... <laughs> Did you not watch Zombieland? You need to double tap, my friends. You need to take action to be sure that you've completed your task. As Amass and Cam Long are behind the twins and 
get a great combo. I, I mean, this is the part of Amass's power that I'd love to see explored further. Yeah, this is nuts. Yeah. I feel like this is mutant technology embodied in one person. So it's a combination of the, what's it called? Blythe. Sp- Blythe Swill? I want to keep calling it Blythe Spirit, and I know that's not what it is. That's the name of a play. Um, but there's that is enhancing the rage parts of the power, right? So because when Amas and Kate combined, they didn't create like a super mutant. Kate was basically just hidden inside Amas, right? Sure. So is it the combination of these two powers or I think it might be is the powers. The Blyswell that's amplifying the danger of the powers. I think just the fact that they're both saying I can't control my powers mm-hmm. and then they combine into this massive creature that then rage monsters on them and sucks in one of the Fenris twins. Yeah, Andreas is now part of the collective and Give I'm not me giving back him back. My brother. Yeah. No. Trouble in Paradise next. I I really love this book. Yeah. I answered your big picture question before you could even ask it. Yeah. I, I'm interested in both stories. I like what, you know, where it's going. I like learning more about these characters. I love that we're getting more Orcus and we're getting to the root of what kind of nasty business they're up to. Nasty boys. <laughs> nasty. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I like the art a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool that we had those two different art teams and yet they still felt harmonious. Like I wasn't, there wasn't a jarring change for me between worlds. Well, and especially when they do that deliberate distinction between my pages and your pages, mm-hmm. it really gives it its own definition. Yeah. No, I thought this was really good. It did a couple of things in that it picked up the threads from issue one and continued the intrigue. It's still far from what I was expecting, but it's interesting enough that I want to keep reading and I'm excited about where it's going. Mm-hmm. I really wanted more of the Bishop story cliffhanger, but we confirm that it's another Earth. The Orcus connection to Fenris is super interesting, and the big plot point they have cooking with Krakoa and making mutants aggressive is is really good as well. All in, I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Michael Fox wanted to like War College, but only three issues left. It has a lot of work to do, right? You know that this has a short runway. It's only a five-issue miniseries. Where else are we going to go? Which I think that's a good problem to have, right? Right. We're approaching that midpoint turn where maybe we're going to get some good exposition in the third issue and then slowly follow to some resolution. But I feel like it would be cool if the third issue... Was the reverse of this, where we got a taste of the story of Krakoa and then a longer oh, yeah. section about the Bishop story. So then we're now we've kind of equally built out both stories, and then the last two issues could be more like a fifty-fifty, and or maybe then then the fourth is like a fifty-fifty, and then the fifth is how they come together come back because together. they've got to be related sure. in some way. They're right. not just gonna send. Bishop off. They're not going to have a book that's called Bishop War College where Bishop has a side story that means nothing and the kids are fighting to save Krakoa. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how and when we'll get any update on Tempo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it does say in the summary page that the two of them were transported to this place together. Right. We just haven't seen her yet. Yeah. Vaderino feels like the plot is moving too slow. The double bishop conversation was just getting started. And that, honestly, that's 
when I turned the page and I saw no more of that, I, I wanted <laughs> more of that. It looks like their version is a teacher, which our bishop should find very helpful right now, trying to start their war college. That's true. Xavier also seems dot, 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 actually helpful for once. Very <laughs> 90s cartoon Xavier feel. Absolutely, Vaderino. Just excited to see the differences and how that's going to play out in who's who and how they relate. Mm. Iceman Omegas thought that Bishop War College was good, but didn't feel like it moved the plot any further along. And it felt like a really short read to me. I hope it picks up steam because I really like all the characters that are in this book. The art is really good and like Beast's look in this new universe. Mm. It's interesting to me that so many people felt that it didn't really move the plot forward. Well, I mean, it it kind of just took both points where we were in issue one and didn't really move them much further, right? We didn't find out too much information, but it did tease a little further on both sides. I guess it, it's like each one took a half step forward. I mean, I think finding out Moira's involvement, figuring out what Orcus is really up to. And the Blightswill. Yeah, I feel like that was a big move forward. And yeah, maybe the Bishop story didn't really go anywhere, but I think that that was intentional. I think that was that's the big mystery meant to save you, you know, wanting more for the next issue. Sure. Nearly thirty six hours later, <laughs> through the magic of editing, we are both y'all have no idea. We are pulling a page from Bishop's book and traveling through time and space. <laughs> more so, time. We're in the same spot. We are in the same space, but we're gonna talk about Captain Marvel now. Yeah, starting with that cover. Yeah, I love the cover. I think those brood teeth on Carol are just out of control. The face and the fingers, too. Mm. I just, I already want to take them all out and assemble the full line. This of, is four. Oh, of the issue covers? Yeah, this is four connecting now, I believe. Well, one day you'll have the chance. All six. I'll make another dark web. Except a lot easier. This one won't actually be a puzzle. Hey, let's talk about it. Okay, let's do it. Page turn noise. <laughs> Kicking us right off with a title page, Revenge of the Brood, Part 5. Written by Kelly Thompson, art by Sergio Davila, inks by Sean Parsons with Roberto Poggi, colors Arif Purianto, letters Clayton Coles. BC's Clayton Coles. Juan Frigeri and Jesus Arbatov continuing that covers we're back in the thick of it the yeah. fight is on and carol's upset she didn't want to split the party you know i don't know are they dead are they still doing yeah she's not a super happy that they went and used um hazmat's power hazmat's powers yeah yeah which was intense but necessary right right because right from there we're cutting to hazmat and the second team and Hazmat 1 is looking at the aftermath of the destruction caused by both her and Laura. And it felt good. And 2, you know, the team is saying to her in these next couple of pages, like, we wouldn't have made it if you didn't use your power. Like, that had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, thumbs up and a concern of the brood's intention. What are they up to? What are they doing? Mm, They wanted us here. I want you to eat the rolls. Uh, Time to regroup. Free Rogue. And Laura should maybe take it easy. No. (laughs) I'll never take it easy. I'm a Wolverine. Healing factors shared all around as Rogue 
wakes up and re-enters the comic. Mm-hmm. I really love that moment where they have their little skin to skin. Well, plus Polaris she needs has to, to touch my skin. Polaris has to lower the the force fields protecting everyone, mm-hmm. especially those two. And the psychic link is back up. And everybody's connected again. And they are in, as confused in comic as we were reading it last time. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, didn't we kill Rogue? Wasn't that Rogue in, in space? When... Nah, it wasn't. I like they just kind of like say, no, it wasn't. Nope. And maybe we'll tell you in a couple pages. <laughs> we're still trying to get to the bottom of what exactly the brood want, what they're up to, and what they're using Rogue and Binary for. Bait. Really, it's just all just a trap. They want Carol. Mm-hmm. Carol's the one that they're after. And she also luckily insists that she must be sacrificed to save Binary from the trap that's draining her power. Right. So in Rogue's, in Rogue's instance, the whole machine was destroyed. So, or all of the brood were destroyed in Hazmat's explosion. I'm just wondering why it is that the the machine that Rogue is on does not require maybe a substitute, whereas this one maybe it's because of the hazmat effect mm. and everything was affected. the The hive mind was subdued. Maybe because in this instance, Carol even tries. You know, right, she brings out the big guns and she's trying to blast through. What would you got? These suction cup bro- brood arms. Yeah. These tentacles of sorts, and the only the only way to get them to stop is to put someone else in her place. And so, who better but Carol herself? I mean, that's what they were after after anyway. Yeah, not that she knew that, but also she's going to do that selfless sacrifice to protect Binary. She feels responsible for her the entire time. Mm-hmm. This storming off shot is like a drop in shot, but vertical. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a barge in shot. Polaris leading this other unit. Rogue's kind of struggling in the background. They're near the Thunderbird, but the team's wiped out from battle. Well, yeah, and Rogue's been having her soul sucked out by the brood for sure, who sure, knows no, how you, long. Right, right. No, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that she shouldn't be. That is accurate to the plot. I love this splash page of Rogue oh, yeah. sort of giving her rundown of what has happened thus far. Her hearing the distress call. I also love the nod to like, I was in space doing something unrelated. Yeah. Don't ask questions about it. Still not going to tell you. I was in space and I heard this call. So then I called Carol and I ended up here. They talk about the brood's tactics being developed further. It's not enough to just take over a host's body. They're using genetics to build an army. That's where this imposter rogue came from. And we've got this... Little nod to Nightmare, like, they got out of the control of Brew, like, through dreams or know, something. Some, some dreams. Something to do with dreams. We're not connecting it yet. We're just loosely referencing it. We're giving you all the pieces of the puzzle, but it's not yet complete. Some of the team has to rest, and Gambit wants to take Rogue back to the ship, but Hazmat suggests that they should be the ones that hang back seeing as they're both weakened. Mm. And the this powerhouse team of our ready and able X-Men are heading in to who knows what. I love this. This is not a plan. <laughs> so she's just using her magnetic powers to grab hold of Gambit's boots? or 
Who knows? Who knows? It's, just, it's, it's, it's like telekinesis. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. Everything's metal. Proteus made Gambit's bones metal by accident, oh, no. that dummy. I love... <laughs> I, I do really like this moment where like Rogue is just trying to take a little nap, but Hazmat's kind of having a fangirl like, moment. Hey, I'm, I'm really interested in a heart to heart. And also I've thought about this moment a lot. So thinking about this for a long time, that like one eye open of Rogue, like, OK, let's right. have let's have a chat. What's going on, sugar? You want to do this right now? But it's nice. It's a really good moment for the two of them to yes. connect over this, this seeing them as the potential villain and the dangers of their abilities. Right, and the assumption that they would be a villain and, and the I mean, perseverance think, of, of overcoming that. Yeah, you think about like the mental impact that a power like theirs has. It's, it's almost the same as curse. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think about how they must do this dangerous thing to be able to express their power and not keep it bottled up. Yeah. We're fighting off the brood. While we're trying to figure out what's going on with Carol, while we're waiting for the other team. And I'm really into this like psychic samurai going on over here for Psylocke. These additions to her costume in this moment are pretty dope. Right. We've always seen her able to summon weapons, right? With a sword, with a blade, her Mm -hmm. katana. But in a defensive way, especially when surrounded like this, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Carol's having regrets. And the fact that everyone's getting attacked and she can't help, she's just stuck there. She's second-guessing her swap and seeing as it's exactly what the brood wants. And we see they're kind of winning. Yeah, and there's a big mama brood. Yeah. I that, don't really love this image of of everybody passed out with the big the, mama brood about to the Empress. bite Carol's head off. Yeah. Well, you know, subdue her because... They still need her her genetics to be able to mix in. Everybody's just making clones. Everybody's splicing super genetic clones. Everybody wants in on that chimera goodness. It's it's basically happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. The abyss gazes back. More brood. And tell your pals over in X-Men land. Just read this. Read Captain Marvel. Come back for the last two issues in Captain Marvel. What do you think? I really like this story a lot. Yeah. I like the team dynamics. I am more interested in the battling of the brood and trying to like take them down from the inside out than what was happening with the nightmare side of the story. Um, I like seeing Carol and, you know, getting to know her as a character because outside of this, I, I had only ever read that one Judgment Day crossover Captain Marvel comic. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm liking her story and getting to know some other characters. I think that there's a lot of great, like, play off of each other in, like, bouncing powers off of each other, collaboration, good character moments all around. I think it's a really fun book. It's a great read, good pacing, great art. Wow, you just love it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, no, I do too. I'm not saying that I don't. It's interesting to see this narrative in contrast to the Nightmare story mm-hmm. and how that's setting up essentially this, that's allowing this to then play out and happen, and then how we're going to see his seeded hint from the last issue play out with those brood drones 
with a remote timer mm. to set off, like a different way of them attacking. Well, what I seem to get from the the offhanded comment about, you know, through the dreams or whatever, was sort of that the Empress and all these other brood, like they wanted out of Brew's control. And I feel like Nightmare thinks he's doing all these things, but it feels like the brood are just, just using him. Well, he lit the spark, right? He he ignited this fire within them and let their brains be able to play into their innermost desires. And that's to, there's even a quote about them resenting the Kree because of the mm-hmm. King Egg and how that's keeping them under Bruce's control. So this is something that subconsciously they've wanted to dream. I don't know how a hive mind works. You know, I feel ha- like a hive mind, they still, I don't know, maybe dream, they don't have, have their thoughts, own right? individual that's what I'm saying, like, that, thoughts. That's not the hive, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I think I say every issue, I just, I like, I'm enjoying it. When is Kelly Thompson getting an X book? Because I feel like this is a good team book, team dynamic. It's in space, classic X villain. I understand the need for good Captain Marvel content, but you can't take all the good writers to the X. I'm just I'm selfish. What can I say? <laughs> the characterizations, the team itself, the fact that we're dealing with the brood again. I, I just I'm here for it. It's all working for me. I love the depth to carol and her sacrifice and what it means to her and the team and and even just everybody seemingly having some character moments right you're getting this big sci-fi battle narrative and the plot to use their genetics you know a common three thread through xbooks lately but you're also getting some really nice character moments in between Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's softer beats it's a great balance of action and character development Warline has mixed reactions to Hazmat acknowledging her past as a person destined to be a villain. It pulls from the character's history well, but it also underscores the opportunity to have her and Laura interact more as they were friends and colleagues in the Avengers Academy, which is where it was determined that... So I guess I've never read Avengers Academy. I know Mm. what it is. These are all people that could have turned evil, and so they put them together to work together to try to set them on a good path. Oh, Hazmat, interesting. Hazmat was one of those people. So was Laura. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I like that knowing that, knowing that they had that connection and then seeing where they are now. Well, and even how they, they had that moment in the battle, right? Kind of closed out with a moment between Hazmat and Rogue, mm-hmm. but they still had that connection at the top. Michael Fox is really going to miss Kelly Thompson writing X characters because this has been consistently good. I, I agree. Yeah. I heartily agree. Just the, the voices of characters. I keep on saying that. Uh, and, and the art was good this time. It was the two issues ago that I was like, oh, man, where's this guy? Can he be back? <laughs> Eric Huffman felt the story and Cap didn't really go anywhere other than to switch. And the art was meh. Also, for a story about the brood, I only remember seeing dead ones. <laughs> it's true. This was <laughs> this was an awful lot of aftermath from that interaction. And then they, they step up in the end. They have been changing the artist a lot. I, I have noticed that. Mm. I mean, I, I I didn't have a problem with this art. No, I don't know that I had a problem with it. It is consistent to the look. It just, like I said, even before I read that comment, the, there was an artist, I think it was Javier Pena, that was two issues ago that was like, yeah, th- this one, the spread page of Rogue is gorgeous and just all the detail and complexity. Right. Iceman Omegas loved the issue of Captain Marvel. I was wondering how they were going to explain the seemingly unconnected reasons why this is being considered a crossover. It was feeling like 
pure circumstance that something was going on with the brood in two different books, but this making it seem more cohesive. Hazmat was awesome. Nice to see her developed more than she was getting back in the Avengers Academy days. Well, there you go. You know, it's another another nod to Avengers Academy. It looks like uh, warm up that reading list. Justin. What? <laughs> Michael Lowe's Mariah Carey said that Captain Marvel is my book of the week. Her sacrifice Whoa. for binary. Rogue being saved. Captain Marvel versus Brood is one of my favorite rivalries, and rightfully so. Yeah, it is pretty great. Yeah. And to just, you know, touch on their connection, touch on what that's meant to unleashing the next stage in Carol's powers, even her connection to the X-Men. Yeah. All came from that time. Classic broods. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. But I see you're ready for more. Yeah. Well, there's only two more issues of this in total. Yep. Well, there's two more issues of Captain Marvel. I think there's one more issue of X-Men in Mm. this. So I that's what I'm interested is like I don't want it to just drag out for three more issues. So I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Can it keep up its momentum? I think the the next one is going to bring them together somehow because the the end is being solicited in Captain Marvel 49. Got it. So the connection point that we're all wondering like hey is this just a serendipitous brood story or is there actually a connection? deeper meaning right. other than just dreams? Mm. Dreams are only dreams. But yeah, I'm ready for Wolverine. I'm ready for Wolverine. What are you what are you thinking about this cover? Uh, it just makes me think of how much I called some of the contents inside this book of <laughs> Uh, a difference between a very a very large glaring similarity between but a difference between beast and sinister is uh he's willing to work with others <laughs> yeah of himself of himself well let's dig into it page turn noise ooh we're doing the classic kick off with a with a voiceover internal monologue but this time it's beast yeah, you almost want to say villain monologue because, yeah, I agree 100%, but he does not. He does not see it as a villain monologue. Mm-hmm. He sees this as the the righteous sacrifice that he must do for Krakoa's safety. That he's going to, he is going to take himself out of the lush green and open air and put himself in his down secret lab and do all this for the good of the nation. It's just a bunch of BS. It's just a bunch of beasts. No, it's a bunch of BS. The constant Cerebro backups. This is crazy to me. So he's been constantly backing himself up to the point where he has more backups than anyone else. And then he has this secret plan that he can just like uproot the entire point. How did nobody see that being built? Yeah, I wonder if this was all along. How did he... I mean... He's always been working with Krakoan Floronics and using Krakoan technology to create new science. Right, but isn't the whole X-Force base like in the point? Yeah. Wondering if like... It's not just a table in a room. In a if, if the, you know, walking point was always something that X-Force as a whole had as a tool or if this was something that... Beast no, this, put together. Yeah, this definitely looks like 
getting away in his mobile crazy lair. It's nuts. This is not something that the team willingly was like, yeah, just in case we need to attack <laughs> well, what or I'm, hide. I'm just saying, like, how do you not know yeah. that your whole base is like a ship, person ship that could walk away? But just it's the thinking of Krakoa is alive. Like these these upgrades or this creation of this physicalized form could have happened over time in the roots, in the seeds of this jungle. I don't know how... Beast could have been manipulating signals to Krakoa to grow him something that he needs from whose skull was this always to begin with? Yeah, I don't know. But I before we get too far into the book, I would love to call out the art. Sure. Yeah, because this art is gorgeous and the colors especially the colors are so, so breathtaking. And now we've got our walking point making its way to the water and submerging itself. It's nuts. There it goes. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Little bubbles coming up. That's good math. I love the moral philosophy that Beast continues to believe he's correct in. It's only bad if you think bad things are bad. Like I did good for Krakoa, the greatest good for the greatest number of mutants. He's so, his whole attitude with Wolverine and just- how you know he suffers, but millions of mutants prosper. That's good math. I, I can make that sacrifice for him. Okay, here's my argument, Beast. You're going to say Wolverine killing me is murder and treacherous, but me killing Wolverine is for the good of the, the people. Well, what about all the people who you were doing experiments on? Like... And, and then killing and then throwing out into space. Sure, yeah. Like... At a certain point, the number of bodies that you rack up for the good of the people is not like, you know, kill a few to save the mon- the many. That's kill a bunch to save some select few. Well, it's also the way that he was getting those test subjects. They, they were prisoners of an unclaimed war, essentially. Yeah. They, they were just stolen from space to then be experimented on. He just like, he's... Too far gone for anything he says that he's rationalizing to actually be rational thought. Yeah. No, it it definitely... I don't understand how he sees this as positive action for Krakoa. I mean, I I, actually, no, I say that and I kind of do because he's not thinking of it as Krakoa, a nation of Earth. He's thinking of it as Krakoa, the the stronghold of mutant superiority, essentially. You know, how to protect mutant lives before they crack the egg of Krakoa and you know, what's the ultimate sacrifice and protection who knows honestly but before we get into that discussion we've got a title page <laughs> Beast Unleashed Weapons of X Part 1 written by Benjamin Percy art by Juan Jose Reap colors Frank Diamarto letters Corey Petit VCs Corey Petit Lionel Francis you and Romulo Fajardo Jr. on the cover, dealing with the dead. As we get another back-to-back Last of Us visual call. Right, for real. This is crazy. Beast's body erupts with a crazy fungus. It's just his head, too, which is exactly like the the clickers. Exactly like the Last of Us. Yeah, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, he's been experimenting with, with... Krakoan plants and he's got this 
I don't know. It's defensive safety mechanism. You kill me, well, my body will turn into a crazy fungus zombie and kill you. Yeah, it's a booby trap. You can't get away. The concern of getting Bannister to Krakoa to save him. Mm-hmm. Now, now the fact that this is Beast speaking Logan's language, this primal fighting, the fact that they're able to just tear into each other, he actually likes this better. <laughs> right, of course. And then cut back to Beast... Who's just like, oh, cracking open a ship. We're underwater now. And these little biddies have been spying on us. And not anymore. I'm going to crack your ship in half and drown you, suckers. (laughs) Just see the candies inside. (laughs) Yeah. And then, oh, but wait. He's fighting for hope. That's, That's the whole argument. You know, he's trying to do something for everyone. I can endure hate. You can live without love, but you can't live without hope. Hope is what drives me. Hope for mutant kind as we see all these tubes. Where is everybody getting all these tubes? You got to wonder, like, how long has he been studying this type? Because we have never seen him exhibit the ability to resurrect people right. right on his own. And he's, these are not resurrections, though. These are clones. Sure. Like... I well, feel I mean, like... what's the that, that's the the argument of what's the difference, especially when he comes online. So these are these are just copies of himself. That's what I think. Yeah, but it's the same thing that if he were to die, and they make like the five makes one, right? What's the difference? Well, I feel like these grow from itty bitty to big over long periods of time. So similar to the five makes it happen fast. Similar to what Zeno was doing, right? Almost in the exact same style, too. Probably. It looks looks very clean compared to... He probably got it from them. Oh, I bet. And, like, I don't know. I just... I can't. This is another lab he had hidden in in the base. Yeah, yeah. So, just literally right underneath their noses the whole time. This must have been in, like, the, the body of Point Man. And they're all cleaning off their glasses and getting ready to work together. <laughs> Team Beast. Oh, yes, gentlemen. Yes, uh, absolutely, yes. And seemingly. <laughs> and he says all as one. So are they some sort of hive mind as well? I don't think it's an official hive mind, but it's it's the megalomaniac within him that sees, wow, yes, no, I, I'm just doubling my intellect and my ability my strength of mind and body mm-hmm. as an extra person like this is the best chance forward we're all going to see things the right way we're all <laughs> going to you know like this is never going to go wrong oh beast you dummy morality is usually based on a fear of punishment some form of god which also could be a lesser substitute in a parent a teacher a police officer is watching your actions or even listening to your thoughts. And if you sin, you will burn. But I believe in no God beyond calculation and reason. There is no right or wrong. There are smart and stupid decisions. There are advantageous and disadvantageous moves. I am unafraid of any damning punishment. This makes me not immoral, but amoral, and thus clear-headed in my decision-making. Boo. If If you wanted more reason, this is this is why morals are dumb and I'm calling you on it. <laughs> boo 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 oh heal me yeah cut heal back me, to the Cecilia. healing gardens Be- uh, beast's head is floating around wolverine's just like this is what we have to blame yep this beast head Shish-kabob. and also 
Don't even think about letting these two die. This is on us. You better save them. Also, I don't know if it was ever officially stated that Cecilia was a part of X-Force, but Wolverine is very upfront about, hey, you know, you, you run our medical ward. Yeah. In addition to the general hospital on Krakoa. I'm sure she's done many uh, undercover, under-the-table medical procedures on X-Force. So she might not be an official member, but she's a member by proxy. She's got secrets yeah. of their activities. She knows yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they'll just make another one. The craziness continues as we check in with the five and... Wolverine wants <laughs> he just wants all what he wants the information. Get me all the backups. And at first, he thinks Hope is being a sassafras. Which I mean, it, I it, mean she is. She is, but just look at her. Like, like you're stupid. You don't understand what you're asking for. What you want is impossible. <laughs> right. Please don't insult my. Like I don't. I don't go in your house and say, "Hey, I want to stab five people in this way." Right. Right. But he wants all the files, all Beast memories from the start of Krakoa. And unfortunately, they're gone. They're gone. They're They've wiped. They've been deleted. He's got the only backups except for one section of when Beast was on the Avengers. Is this our exit strategy? Is this our... our... This is how we go back to what does everyone refer to? The bouncing blue Beast that this they is, all love? It's even before that. So maybe he has the opportunity to, to continue. That, that's probably Beast as his happiest with his best friend. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because Beast doesn't think that is a relevant or important part of his history to take into his memories. And I think also what's interesting is he probably has to leave some sense of a backup as to not cause a red flag for when Xavier is yeah. doing his resurrection protocols. Like if he went to go back up Beast and there was like, there's no file on Beast. At what point is this a conversation though? Like now the five know that there's no Beast in the resurrection queue. Like now the council should know if both X-Force and the five are like, hey, Beast well, is off yeah, doing a thing. It seems to be like... Gather whatever evidence you had or were waiting on. Like they need to move quickly because obviously Beast is just going to get further not and further messing away. around. Like yeah. he's he's out as as Black Tom's terrified face can show. The point is, is gone. We uh we have a problem and we need to actively move forward in order to uh, prevent any more damage. Because Beast is taking over the intercom. It's not me. It's you, and I'm dumping you all. Yeah. And I've turned off your ability to talk back to me. Right. I think that's the thing is like that statement pretty much sums up Beast's entire mindset in a nutshell. Like what he has to say is important and he can't be bothered to listen to what everyone anyone else has to say because there is no changing his mind. And that's where it becomes like this blurred line of are you actually doing this for the good of Krakoa or have you just told yourself that so much and your head is so big that you believe you're the only person who can do it because yeah if it would be one thing if he was like I'm doing this for the good of Krakoa and then someone was like hey let me offer an alternate perspective that might be good for Krakoa and he listened and then cared about the good of Krakoa but he doesn't he uses that that. as a front but he actually really only cares about being the one in charge charge being the one in power he wants to be the one that solves the problem he wants to be the one that fixes the legacy virus that that returns the mutants after scarlet witch said no more mutants which is why he continuously creates problems that he needs to fix because he doesn't work well with others it's really terrible 
You've all been fired. I need to do the big work. And, oh, just, just this you last put, page. But like, what is he doing? He's so he's now making an army of Wolverines. He is making an army of Wolverine clones that he is then going to control with whatever influence that he has. This, this is, is messed up. It's so messed up. It's it's so many next levels too in this one issue. Right, it's, an, it's insane to go from one beast having a secret backup at the, as the tease of last issue. Now he's a council unto himself with an murder clone, an innumerable army of murder clones. Yeah, it's not it's not okay. But see, this is what I'm saying. Like, see how slowly these are growing. Yeah, and the muscle tissue is forming over mm-hmm. the adamantium skeleton, so he's like chia petting his wolverines. Bubba <laughs> bubba bubba. Ugh. God, <laughs> weapons of X Part Two. <laughs> Big Took picture. Took me a what'd second you think? to get that joke. Um, I mean, I thought this was a great issue. Yeah, it was so infuriating because oh, yeah. Beast is infuriating, but it was so good. It's like it, that's the best way to be infuriated. I know, and and just I acknowledge completely he is the villain, and I see it, and I I now even if. And I think the thing that you are disliking is because he does not acknowledge that he is the villain. Yeah, it's really frustrating. It's like the, it's like the what do we call them? Little brother games. It's the I'm not touching you. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, it's like I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy. I'm doing what's necessary. But like, you are, and you know you are, and I want to punch you in the face because you know you are. So stop saying you're not. He thinks he's morally gray. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a dark beast. He's a gray beast. Same thing. Yeah, honestly, I absolutely love it. I, I love the layers of evil that have been piled on, the depths that Beast is going to to just continue to show us what he's been plotting. The fact that he doesn't care what people know or if they think that he's wrong. Like He's just flaunting it out there. How are they not able to do anything to interfere with this, to stop him, to find him? Boy, they don't know where he is. That's one. Charles Number Xavier, one. do Cerebro, do a scan, I get all know, the telepaths. Man. I don't know. How, how we just found... They're just, they still seem to think they don't need to tell the council, apparently. That's bananas. It's bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. It's super bananas. Michael Fox said, beast firing X-Force via group chat because he wasn't the top mean girl anymore is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. It's a great reference yes. in so many ways. Galetta Grafico wonders, how could Marvel redeem Hank if they want that? Do we need Hank as a hero anyway? I mean, I don't think he's a permanent villain. And I think, I don't know that redemption for this beast is possible. Sure. But some other version of him, some resurrected version of him, some second chance version of him, maybe. But this beast, there's there's no hope for this beast. I don't think there's anything that he could do where he could just turn around and be like, "Oh, I, sa- I actually saved you guys. I'm ha- I'm nice now." <laughs> like I don't. Well, even even if his work ends up being useful and winning some battle or turning some tide, nobody's gonna be like, "Oh, cool, thanks, Beast. I trusted you now." Right. You know, like I, you were right all along. I can forgive that time that you puppeted my, you know, primal senses to right. commit murder. There's no I way can that forgive that time you were experimenting on innocent mutants in space. The fact that you weaponized Wolverine, right? Like you did literally the most traumatic thing to him, to him again. That's the that's the line. That I mean, there are so many lines. To but. to even pervert it even further with all of these versions of it. I mean, but you look at it and you think, 
those issues of Inferno when they were essentially doing the same thing just in a more island-wide decision, right? When they were sending those three mutants to Inferno, they were creating an army of Wolverine just one at a time. Now he's taking it to a an interesting next step of like like clone armies. Yeah, it's just... This beast is too far gone. I don't think there's a story point that flips it for him, but I don't think that that necessarily means that beast is evil for all time now. Yeah. Honestly, what I need is for Prodigy to just be in the same room as Beast and Sinister and be like, oh, okay, oh, okay. No, but like this, like like this now. <laughs> Vaderino said the last of us strikes again. <laughs> Beast is really cementing himself as the premier villain of the Krakoan era. And honestly, I am learning to enjoy him in this role. Still hate him, but this kind of villain makes sense in this era. Maybe that Avengers Beast reference will play out in the future. Yeah. I think they wouldn't, I don't know, that seems like an odd thing to put unless it was like a dig at the Avengers. Yeah, Um, I don't think they're going to point explicitly to that and then... And then it's never coming back. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a good point that we have all of these villains from the outside world and we've had some villains like inside Krakoa, but this is... Of Krakoa. This is so much worse because it's a well one often when a person thinks that they are doing the best they can for other people in this kind of way though those are generally like the worst kind of villains right because they will also they're blinded by it and they also i think though know that it's wrong and they use like that propaganda tactic of saying like i'm doing this for your own good i'm doing this for your own safety i'm look at this thing i'm doing for you like look at that my becomes ends. like a very twisted mental anguish kind of villainy but mm. on top of that like it's this under the surface internal thing that's happening that the the citizens of Krakoa are constantly being attacked and being threatened without knowing it. Like all of the things that Beast is putting out there, all of the hands that he has in other organizations, all the like fires he's stoking to cause people to want to attack them because he's stealing from them or he's manipulating them or he's He's tricked them pissing off the cia or the russians he's doing a lot of damage outside of terra verde right like he's he's bringing a lot of threat to krakoa without even being just being the threat on top of being the threat so (laughs) as if he wasn't a big enough bad guy himself right Warline doesn't like the idea of resurrecting him with an old backup. It's acting like the last two decades didn't happen, similar to how they redeemed Gene after the Dark Phoenix saga. They just kind of said, well, that wasn't me. That was a different version. Mm. And, you know, and I totally see that. It kind of scrubs it. But I don't know. How, how can how that would be an interesting. I mean, that is in and of itself an interesting next step of the story of resurrection. Right. Maybe. Unwillingly getting resurrected and, and reset to a previous version. That has not happened before. Maybe this version of Beast is the one who takes down the current version of Beast. Maybe sure, they right. bring him back in an effort to valiantly fight save himself. Or, yeah, to, to join the Avengers and, and team up against the, the tyranny that is evil Beast. The Pikachu said Beast has left behind all his Avengers era backups. Could we see Beast versus Beast? 
Showdown. That, Whoa, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is, I did not know that that comment came in. Just so we know, I never know them before. Justin says. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we, we do. I do my notes and reactions before I go through questions, and then mm-hmm. Alicia doesn't know the questions until we record and I say them. But yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Beast versus beast, and especially having the more noble version backed up by the rest of X Force. So. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Eric Huffman's wondering, how is Beast any different from Sinister now? He has clones as well. Any cost for his goals. It's crazy. I think Beast is actually smarter than Sinister, though. That's the scary part. Is like generally Sinister has these crazy plots and he has clones, but he's distracted with his own camp, right? right? Yeah, like he gets in his own way or he tries to be too extravagant or right. too showy and, and he fumbles. Beast is like, I'm going to go set up myself with a Moira life underneath the water and just tinker for a little while mm-hmm. before I can make my next move. Like Beast plots. He's yeah. detail oriented. He's tactical. So when you put the two side by side in this situation, it actually makes Beast scarier, in my opinion, because he has much more follow through and I think much more probability of success. Well, also people trust him more, Mm -hmm. right? You know, as as much leeway as he's been given, how many people really even know that he's a shady war criminal? Right, right. Right? Like if if he was to go up to anybody who wasn't in this like inner circle of knowledge right now and talk to them none of them would know they wouldn't be like oh beast is actually evil or which version of beast is this that i'm talking to you right know? right right. the people of krakoa are not pretty up- updated by that which they seem to be updated to things like abigail brand's betrayal <laughs> and it's like layers of knowledge Rogue well that's gets because that. i would write that in the sky sure. abigail-, abigail brand is the worst yeah don't trust her she's like the burn book don't touch trust this fugly slot <laughs> Eric was also wondering what's going to happen with Beast snapping that sub. I can't see the UN standing for that. He killed a human. Maybe the council will be forced to address Beast now. He killed multiple yeah. humans. Exile yeah. him and save face with humans something. They can't exile him. This, this this is the problem with someone to his ability now to be able to have this kind of remote influence right he could just he's just gonna go to his exile and and plot how he's gonna take you down he could be even further away from krakoa i mean maybe can you strip him from his krakoan abilities or or like his his science because that's what he's you know i kept on saying it before that science is the true villain of the krakoan era and it's because of beast is embracing that as well sinister Mm -hmm. even forge a little bit he's dabbled with the the scariness with caliban and and even now the this nowhere helmet yep yes science is evil science rules science rules iceman omega says damn it beast spill all his guts slogan (laughs) here here are you ready for some future you know it some immorality Immoral X-Men number two. You know, talk about the, the, the contrast between all those beasts on the cover fighting the one Wolverine and all these mystiques on the cover fighting the one Rasputin. I, I love it either way, honestly. Yeah. But I, I am here for Rasputin. Absolutely. The star of the issue and even just really a tease. I love it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Page turn noise. <laughs> done, done with talking. I just want to see it. Fighting the Resistance, Hope's Conquest. 
I gotta say, like, I know it's the sinister in her, but I also am noticing it a little bit in just general comics. Like, Hope's getting really cocky. I mean, that's that's kind of her thing. I don't really like it. Sure. I mean, it's just her history with Cable and also her ability to, to take all the abilities that she needs around her. Right, but it's also Exodus, like, yeah. continuously calling her the Messiah and... And especially here, I think it's it's playing into Exodus's power. The fact that these two are each other's right hand person, mm-hmm. and she's always copying this ego power, essentially. And she's going like full cable. She's just she's just getting all the parts, bionic parts. You know, she's got to leave some pieces in the stew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dad would be so proud if he wasn't a giant worm. I don't know what that means. Is he dead? No, because he's he's bonded with Zylo. I think he's unbonded with the techno-organic virus. The last that we saw him in Storm in the Brotherhood, he was bonded with the remains of Zylo, the living history of Arako. Oh, right. Little slug guy. Do you want to call out the L-bombs, these highly unstable chimeras that they just throw in? Yes, that seems wasteful. Well, they can't. They can't do anything else with it. So they're just going to use it to destroy a planet. Yeah, they're just the the sinisters are uh, ruthless. You know, we left them with this. Oh no, we're afraid of space, and now they're just straight up. They're not even conquering. They're just destroying. Yeah, I mean that they're light conquering. They're they're doing broad strokes conquering, and then coming back for specifics later on. It's just messed up. Just casual colonialism. <laughs> Lila Cheney, Firestar, Harry Leland, and Micromax. The teleportation to get it there, the density of Fire Blast, and also the the size of it, to just have all of that mixing in together and it to be uncontrollable, that's what an L-bomb is. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. It's literally just a giant grenade, and that's why she loves it so much. Which takes us to our title page. Our side is genocide. Four-letter words, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Andrea DeVito, colors by Jim Charlelampidus, letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Lionel Francis, you and Sonny Go on the cover. Commander's Log, catching us up on the intergalactic war. This compact that is formed, alliances of space to fight against the mutant rule. Yeah, well, the mutant rule is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and to know that they they played the Shi'ar for so long until it was too late. Mystique, dead. Yeah, what? That right. was a, that's a quick one. Well, that's and, a, on the side. And just... especially right before the next issue of the Brotherhood, mm-hmm. and that's where that story happens. I wonder if it's a faked death mm. or if it's a stage so you stop looking for her. But if she was... It, it's just, and I think Warline brought it up, but the irony of Mystique not being alive in the one world that Destiny wants to be in because Mystique is supposedly going to be alive. Right. I feel like if Mystique is really dead and the whole reason that Destiny is keeping this reset from happening was so that Mystique would live, then Destiny would just be like, all right, well, then it's over. Roll the dice. Let's try again. Because I need my wife back and I'll figure something else out. We get nine tries. All right, so explain to me why Hope has to have her body parts floating around in this <laughs> abyss. It's just soup, you know? You get a couple of pieces, that's a good stew going. 
so she can't be resurrected well. She, she so. can't have more than one version of her at a time. Something about her powers, similar to Jean, which she hates being compared to, but something about them doesn't allow for multiple copies to be happening at once, like to be alive at once. So they can't keep someone to be hope with the resurrection machine. So what they do is they pick up all the pieces from when she dies and they throw it in this soup and it uses that power, that ability to basically just be there as a proxy to help with the resurrection process. Gross. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I was like, are these all the pieces of her, though, that she now has replaced with robot parts? Like, can she not have a left arm because her left arm still exists? So instead, she must have a robot left arm. That's interesting. I don't know. are these pieces of her that she's lost in battle that they keep, she replaces? Or when she just decided, like in the last issue, she was like, I want to have a robotic hand, so a bionic hand, so I'm replacing it. And Exodus was like, the hand is precious. (laughs) Keep it in the soup. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Like, can, can she not get those limbs back because they still exist yeah. somehow? Weird. Which, which just makes this pool look awfully crowded if these are most of the limbs that she's currently missing. Well, I mean, if you look at it, it, it does kind of line up. You know, right. there's that's an arm. She's got an arm. That's a leg. She's got a leg. What else we got? That's a looks like a stomach. One foot. Moving on from that grossness. On to the unveiling of the Marauder. Ooh. This is where I was getting like, I don't know, kind of giddy of like, all right, we already know that I love the Marauder in its original form, the Marauders, of its original Krakoan form, right? The yeah. team, the Marauders, their oh, yeah, ship yeah. that they go out on. We know this. We know that I generally love the captain of the Marauder, a.k.a. Kate. But we know that Kate is not going to be the captain of this Marauder. And we know that I'm obsessed with Rasputin and can't wait for her to come back. So you're going to take her and you're going to say, guess what? She's back. And not only is she back. She's back. But she's the captain of the Marauder. Exclusively to lead the Marauder. Like To what? be the hero. Of the sinister council. Just, just stop it. You're just making me too happy, and I feel like that's gonna end badly. Then, yeah, you're giving me too much of what I want. Look at Xavier looking like Von Strucker over here. I was feeling a little Cyclops vibes from him. Huh. Yeah, it's an interesting. I don't know how I feel about their like diamond imbued looks, but it doesn't matter because. They're going to test out the strength of their amazing Rasputin by fighting a million mystique variations. Merged with Grey Crow, yeah. which means a healing factor and the ability to manipulate weapons. That's a perfect combo. It doesn't matter, though, because Rasputin is Slices the bomb.com. To just see the different pieces, because, it, I mean, obviously, from the start, she's been OP, right? Mm-hmm. She, and to just see how those different powers interact with each other to have the healing factor and the shield and the mind powers and the phase ability. It's almost overkill because of all of the layers of protection that she has and this big chonking sword that she's swinging around slicing people up. She got to have a soul sword. Why? Because it looks cool. It looks great. Come on. Destroyed. You did good. I did good, Papa. <laughs> you did good, kid. So we're getting we're getting a six 
mutant chimera then? Uh, nope, that's it. Oh, that's it, you oh. say? Okay, well then, you're out, Sinister, because you've, you've used all of your potential, so we're going to kill you now. Well, like, like, make another five one. Right. You know, make me a different version of Rasputin. Maybe they're like, we don't actually need you because, like, there's a manual we can read. We don't need your, like, <laughs> they genius. They don't. They can't do that. I mean, they seem to think that they can mm. because they, they're they just, like, not even really waiting for him to walk out of the room. Right. And they're just like, well, we don't need okay. Him. We're going to kill him now. We have Rasputin now. We don't need him. Sinister's going to go pout, but... Uh, Make a new friend in... Somebody's waiting for him. Mother Righteous meets Sinister for the first time. I have to say, I, I'm into Sinister's year 1000, like, Hunger Games facial hair, year 100. <laughs> and just how confident Mother Righteous is as she asks him to thank her. To just, yeah. just thank me. You know, just get, take my book and say, thanks, mama. I'm going to show you the secrets on this data page that just shows what everybody's working on. You only know what half of the story at this point. You know what you're doing and you know what Stasis is doing. But I got news, bucko. Yeah, there's this other guy, Orbis, and oh yeah, me. I'm the one. Yeah. You working on your Essex Factors. The goal, survive the machines and escape the machines. Become a dominion outside time and space. I thought this was such an important database because it really gives you like, okay, why? Why create four versions? Why take different parts of yourself? And this very clearly says like the different parts will, will not be like necessarily different versions of Nathaniel Essex, but will have a set path to yeah. take a different approach to solving the end goal. Yeah, they are using a different skill set. And to have each one fully throwing themselves into that skill set to use it to the best of their ability to find a solution. And it's interesting to know that it was sort of like ingrained in them. Like, okay, you're going to go into space. You're going to use magic. I still don't 100% understand the difference between stasis and and sinister. Well, sinister was playing with mutant powers, whereas stasis was playing with humans. Right, and, and, human and post-humanity yeah. and, and machine. So, mixing things outside of mutants into humans. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the, the animal combinations that he was making. Oh, yes. Bornan. Gene Brother Crisis, he's unimpressed. Mother Righteous is obviously playing a game, and <laughs> Essex needs the Moira machine to use this information. The fact that he now, with this knowledge, if he could go back and just play knowing the other three. Yeah, it would make a huge difference. Next level. But Hope wants him dead first. But before she takes care of that, she's got to go... One last attack. You know, just got to go kill some other worlds real quick. You know, the the Chitari, what, what do we need them? Avengers is over. We don't need them. Using Exodus's power to rally more strength. But then... Plot this, twist. This was unexpected. This was so unexpected. Exodus is like, I'm over your BS, Hope. I don't, I don't need you. You are a petulant child and you're just... You're squandering the Messiah name. You've you've overstayed your welcome and you're better off dead because really like what a Messiah is for is to do some cool stuff right. and then for us to wait for you to one day come back. Right. We, we 
love you more as a martyr. He was more inspiration. Right now, you're just a tyrant. I was like, whoa. It's so deep and it's so good. Someone was not expected for Exodus to just be like, ha ha, die here. Right, right. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then our last twist, Sinister. Oh, the best. Freeing Rasputin. Literally my moment of the week right here. Yeah. Because... It's so interesting because you know he has to know that by taking the sinister element out of her, he's giving her the keys to destroy him. Sure. And destroy them all, which is what he wants. But he so desperately wants to get out of this that he's willing to make himself not even the victor of the situation just to get out of it, which feels like that's Sinister's last straw. Like that's his last ditch effort to like do something to get himself back to there and just like the sheer fact that her her sinister diamond has been removed yeah it's so exciting as to where her character could go because i was a little hesitant or disappointed that you know the rasputin obviously that i fell in love with in like the three pages she was in and hawk's box was was not this one it was one of her own free will who like was a fighter and and had a moral compass and when you got sinister in you you don't really have that so (laughs) i was kind of like afraid to to have her be a villain and and to be like oh i'm getting this character back because i wasn't but now oh please save the day and somehow go back in time and never leave me again rasputin (laughs) she's better than ever now assemble the team grab a ship blast off we're doing star trek baby Captain on deck. Yeah, how long do you think this is going to take? Yeah, five years. No more than five years. Which is an interesting statement. It's a AKA joke, right? It's going to be until year 1000. It's going to be 900 years until this actually happens. Hopefully, we'll get some cliff notes along the way. I feel like that's been really good in this and last week's issue. These little time markers across that 90 years that we jumped before. It's yeah. a lot of time. I think the only thing that Sinister really has to his benefit in removing her sinisterness is that he does it as a gift to her or like as like i'm doing this for you and she still has loyalty to him like it doesn't cause her to instantly be like i'm anti-sinister right i see all of your evil now no right she is still obedient to her master of sorts right her her clone dad (laughs) yeah and she's here to command this team and they're going and they don't care that the others are coming for them. They're out. They're on their way. This is literally Star Trek, but mutants. Sinisterized Star Trek. Next, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number two. I love when you turn the page. There's just that little old lady Storm yeah. at the top corner. I can't wait. What'd you think? I mean, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I was not expecting the Exodus Hope situation to happen. I was not expecting Sinister to remove the Sinister of Rasputin. I was not expecting them to be like, Mystique is dead. And I think that this is where, you know, we were having our conversation about Cy Spurrier's writing and and, uh, the poetic nature of it, but the inability to have enough space to really dissect that poetic nature and to wanting to get all that story out and what Kieran is doing is really on the same level of storytelling 
but in a much more palatable way for me as a reader. Because I know not everyone has the same problems dissecting size writing as I do. But I just feel like Kieran still gives us so much world building, so much information, and then still moves the story along so well. It's a lot more external world rather than internal world, Mm. right? So we're able to see all of these civilizations, this history of war, the struggles that they're in currently, whereas... Nightcrawlers was doing a lot of religion and depth and introspection, the things that we have come to believe of ourselves, the way that we've changed ourselves through daily action in the name of the spark over the last 90 years Mm -hmm. versus like these guys that are like, oh, yeah, we've been kicking ass left and right and destroying all the aliens in the world. And it's great. I'm I'm not saying one is better than the other. I just interesting to know the difference. And I think that there's also the benefit of knowing that we're now in another space. They're not, Kieran's not throwing you in through the lens of some unknown culture, right? We're we're in the the sinister council. Right. But I still think that we could have gotten the gist well, I'm not going to get into Nightcrawlers yeah. again. I just I think we could have gotten the gist in a in a similar way than we did that we did in this book. Sure. You know. But I just I'm just saying I really enjoy the writing of this. I like how much it builds out the world and the time frame while still giving us bomb drop after bomb drop after bomb drop. Yeah. And the art is beautiful. Yeah, I really like Andrea's art. I think this had the balance of exploration of time and prompting of plot development that you were looking for in Nightcrawlers. Like mm-hmm. that, it just really landed on that. And plus all the action that we still got to see yes. with Hope. Just all the surprises, the just ruthlessness of the Sinister Council. Yeah. And of course, Rasputin. We're all here yeah, for Yeah, that's what it's really about. Vaderino says, look, Hope is a terror and a brat at the best of times, but I really enjoyed her approach as a general and a surprise exodus betrayal. Mm-hmm. I kept confusing Sinister for Colossus at first based on the design. Theory, if Rasputin comes to 616, she now has the cure for Sinister in her veins, which should could prevent all of this from happening. So if she somehow was to enter the, the backup resurrection machine of Moira's I'm not sure how that would work. We're but. just doing another Last of Us call. Yeah. I mean, what, whatever gets her into the 616, I'm Hell here yeah. for it. Yeah. Michael Fox says, Hope's reintroduction when she was soaring through the cosmos is reminiscent of Jean when she was on a rampage through space during the Dark Phoenix saga, even down to the energy signature colors, which is kind of cool. Ooh. I'm digging Don't the... Don't tell her that. She doesn't want to be compared yeah, to Jean. Right, right. She'd be upset. Michael's also digging the year 100 Sinister Council new outfits. I have mixed feelings. Yeah, Xavier's was throwing me off. I like that they have a uniform of sorts sure. that, that ties them together. but And and they have some individuality in each of them mm-hmm. as well, so they're still able to run that line. I just like some of them better than others. Of course. Eric Hoffman loves seeing Rasputin better than I thought, but wanted more like all the SOS books. <laughs> I think I we all want more, you know, which yeah. is good. Feels like it. Did not see that coming for hope. Totally makes sense. Strengthened by faith by becoming a martyr. Yeah. Baku Blade wonders, does Sinister really think he messed up Krakoa? Will he be good or better after Sins of Sinister? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't think so at all. 
Uh, I think he's just because if because if he saves everyone by giving Rasputin her free will back, he'll be like, "Ha I'm amazing! Look at what I Look did!" At me. You're welcome. I give you your gene library. You're welcome. I give you life after I messed it up. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm sinister. You're welcome. Comic extract says sinister has a change of heart? Question mark exclamation point. He's obviously looking for out for himself, but. What if sending Rasputin back through a Moira life is the way that everything resets and Sinister is told not to do his plan? Again, mixing Rasputin into the Moira machine to somehow get that information back to him. Sinister has to know himself well enough to know that if he sends someone else back to tell him not to do his plan, that's going to make him want to do his plan (laughs) even more. Because he'll be like, who are you, evil? Do you not want me to do my plan? Because it, it, like, I actually take you down and I destroy why everything. Why wouldn't I just send myself back? Like, what right. is this? Right. How does that even work? Warline doesn't buy any of it. Sinister lost his feelings when his wife and kids died after Apocalypse's transformation. He stopped caring about even them. So he sure doesn't care about Krakoa or see it as a paradise. He's using Rasputin to get what he wants. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's just, that's just classic sinister. He also, in an attempt to infuriate you, is making a prediction <laughs> about Orbis Stellaris's origins and how it's quite possible that he is involved in time travel because of the progenitors and how long their history is already established to be with Jap Kirby in the original, I think, Eternals run that they're created in. So how have they been along all this time? He's only been alive, what, like, hundred or so years since that cloning vat running off and he looks so much older than everyone else oh time travel are you upset i just don't i'm not gonna think about it until i have to <laughs> until it's confirmed iceman omegas says that moral was incredible i'm digging the sinister that sinister is looking like a hero in the story and i'm so blown away by how awesome rasputin 4 is i hope she survives at the end of this and makes her way into the regular 616 let's start a petition Get Rasputin in the 616. Come on. Who do I have to talk to? Should I just send Jerry a message? Hey, Jerry. Right. Just put her in your book. I was just wondering, could she be on that new X-Men team? Right. Hellfire Gala announcement. Rasputin is here. Imagine Rasputin and Magic and Kate all on one team. Overkill. Led by Emma. (laughs) Overkill. Let's go. Give me that book. Yeah. 1407 Gray Malkin, why does Sinister always get all anti-hero when it's an alternate timeline? You know, because he's just, he's not able to control everything anymore. Yeah. So he's got to make it right for himself, essentially. He's got to use like his last resort, which is being a little bit good so that he can be a little more bad. Just a little. Yeah, just right. Just a taste. Wow. Ah, that was good. So good. Those are just one after another, those those last three. Even War College on the other side. Yeah. The Excellent was there. It was a book. We read it and then talked about it. What are we reading next week? We are doing Storm and the Brotherhood, number two. That's correct. Uh, The final issue of Marauders. Ooh, Yeah. And how many books are there? There's one more X book, and it's not Krakoan. Ro- no, Rogan Gambit is Krakoan. One more X book, and it's not Krakoan. Deadly 
Acts, Genesis, Regenesis. Nope. It's too soon. We haven't seen an issue of this title in a couple of weeks. That doesn't help me. Someone, something in a stone. <laughs> <laughs> something in a stone? Kitty's stuck in a stone. Oh. Extreme X-Men. Extreme X-Men. Number four. I was like, this sword in the stone? What are we saying? Women of Marvel 2023 comes out. <gasps> yes. Next oh my week. God, because it's Women's History Month. And then Amazing Spider-Man number 22 as we continue to unwrap that mystery. Ooh. That's all. That's everything. That was great. Good talk. Fun times. Loved it. Even got to reread most of the comics to talk about them again. Ooh, baby. Until next time, old friend. Charles Inson. E. Wilson all his life. He already has been, just in case you were wondering. Uh, <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>